The Grazadillo School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. It is indeed an honor to be here. My name is Faye McClure. I'm Vice President of Strategic Marketing for Farmers Insurance. And Farmers is the very proud sponsor of the Dean's Executive Leadership Series for this, the eighth consecutive year. It is my distinct honor to introduce a lady who is a visionary and who has led the uh, Grazadillo School of Business and Management into prominence. Uh, Dr. Linda Livingstone has been a friend, a mentor, and a confidant of mine for many years now. And I am just so proud of what she's accomplished. I know we all are here at the business school. So again, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Dr. Dean Linda Livingstone. Thank you, Faye. I appreciate that introduction. We also so appreciate Farmer's sponsorship of the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. It's been a, a wonderful addition to our portfolio of activities within the business school, and we couldn't do it without uh, the support of Faye and Farmers and others. I think we have several other Farmers folks in the room. Raise your hand if you're with Farmers. Fabulous. We're always glad to have you all with us. Thank you. Well, before introducing our speaker, I want to update you on a few things going on in the school and let you know about a few other events that are coming up. But first, I want to mention, and some, you should know this if you read your emails from us, but we were actually really thrilled a couple of weeks ago when uh, our full-time MBA program was recognized as the second most popular MBA program in the country. Uh, number one was Harvard, and, and we bumped Stanford to number three. So we were thrilled with that. And, uh, and that ranking was based on what percentage of students that you admit actually choose to go to your program. So it means that you had a really high yield. Uh, and so we think that says a lot about our programs and what we offer and why students choose to come to us. So uh, we hope we maintain that for a while. But when you're in the company of Harvard and Stanford, it's pretty good. And we're pretty proud of that. Um, we're also very proud of our 350 graduates who walked the stage on Saturday at our graduation. And I want everyone that's in the room that graduated on Saturday to stand up because I know there are actually several of them here. <laughs> I'm going to actually make two of those stand up again. David Denneke was actually recognized with one of our George Awards, which is a recognition we do in honor of those who represent the leadership of George Grazi Dio. And David received that award for our full-time program. So David, we're glad to have you here. He just graduated. And Kevin, I'm going to make Kevin stand up. Kevin Streeter, at each graduation, we actually pick a student speaker to represent the class. And Kevin was our student speaker on Saturday. And he's also a past George Award recipient and is a dual degree uh, holder from Pepperdine with a BSM and an MBA degree. So Kevin, thank you for sharing. You did a fabulous job on Saturday. Well, we, uh, this is our last Dean's Executive Leadership Series of the year, but that does not mean that it is the last thing you can participate in as a alum or student or friend of the business school. We have several events coming up I want to make sure that you know about, a couple of them that are right here in Orange County. First, on May 3rd, which is I think next Wednesday, uh, we have our uh, Innovation Summit, which has become an annual event that our Orange County Grazie Dio Alumni Network uh, Leadership Council puts on. And the focus of this summit is green and cloud innovation for today. 
today. So it's May 3rd at the Bowers Museum. The reception starts at 5.30. I encourage you all to be there if you can do that and if that's something you're interested in. And then the following week on May 9th, um, if you want to get up early in the morning and join us, we have a small business breakfast series that we host uh, through our GAN Leadership Councils. And uh, at the Irvine campus at 7.30 on May 9th, we're going to be discussing assessing and improving your revenue strategy. So we hope that you will uh, be able to join us for that. And then uh, we have our third annual healthcare forum, uh, which is going to be held at the Rand Corporation in Santa Monica. This has become quite an event each year where we bring in some of the leading thinkers in healthcare, given uh, all that's going on in that space. And uh, this time we're going to really talk about uh, the impact of integrated IT and the implications for that and the possibilities of that in healthcare. I was just on a call earlier this week with the group that's going to be speaking and the panelists, and I think it's going to be really exceptional, a very interesting event. So uh, 6 o'clock on May 10th at the Rand Corporation in Santa Monica. So lots of interesting things going on. We also just uh, kind of remind you of ways you can help us within the school. We are kicking off a Pasadena program in the fall. We had a campus in Pasadena for a while. We kind of phased out of that, but we're actually going to go back in a little bit different format. So if you know of anybody in that Pasadena area that might be interested, would love to have them uh, reach out to us about the program. And then we are also uh, starting this fall a Saturday format for our part-time MBA. So if students want to go through the whole program on Saturdays only to give them a little bit more flexibility, uh, we will have that uh, capacity as well. So we're continuing to look for ways to meet the needs of the community and to give access to our MBA in, in different formats and in different locations. So we hope that you will uh, continue to come to events like this, that you will recommend and refer students to our programs in the business school as well as to programs elsewhere at Pepperdine. Uh, we hope that you will participate um, to supporting us financially in any way that you can, particularly in our annual giving, which is a really important part of what we do in the school and it actually helps influence some of the rankings that we participate in. And then we hope that as WAVES you will hire waves. Uh, very important. Some of these folks that stood up that just graduated probably would love for you to hire them. Uh, and we have a lot of alums that reach out to each other uh, as they transition or as they're just getting out and looking for jobs. And so the more we can support one another, uh, the better that network becomes, the more valuable it is to you. So we hope that you will support each other and support the school in those ways as we go forward. But tonight we are here to conclude this year's Dean's Executive Leadership Series. It's really been an exceptional year and we've had some uh, fabulous speakers and tonight is no exception and we have a fabulous venue, a wonderful place to be, a beautiful evening to be here at Angel Stadium. Uh, but tonight we are just really pleased to have Dennis Cool with us. He is the chairman of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He joined the club in 2003 as the president uh, but was promoted to chairman in 2009. He really focuses on administration, customer service. He's very involved in civic engagement here in this region. Um, they have done exceptionally well uh, with the Angels in building a fan base and building a great sense of community and fun at the ballpark, and I'm sure he'll share some more about that. I know they're recognized regularly for the climate and the atmosphere that they create here. Uh, but Dennis is also very, very involved in the community. Uh, he's on. I, I've got a list here of all the nonprofit boards that he's on, but what it says is he's deeply committed to the community, deeply committed to service, and to the angels being a part of the community in a very meaningful way. So Dennis is going to share with us, and then I'll come back up and join him after his remarks, and we will uh, would love to have some questions from the audience as well. So Dennis, we're thrilled to be here, and so glad to have you with us to close out our series this year. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
Okay, welcome everybody to Angel Stadium. I'm glad to see you all here. Um, I want to start a little bit. Um, they're all Pepperdine graduates, I hope. Um, there, I went to the University of Arizona in Tucson with Artie uh, many years ago, but last week I gave a speech at, uh, it's called the Building Blocks Foundation Fund, and it was a group of people that, uh, from the Orange County area, we did at the Islands Hotel, they asked me to speak, and there was, um, it was like um, Irvine Company, C.B. Richard Ellis, a lot of property managers, and there were some U of A guys in there, and um, I told them the story that I went to the U of A, and I says, and they cheered a little bit, and I said, are there any people here from uh, USC? And they all, God, yeah, yeah. I said, well, that's good. I'll go a little slower then. Uh, <laughs> I love telling that story. You have no idea. <laughs> um, Mike had come to me as soon as he asked me if I could get Artie to uh, speak. Um, and corralling my boss is one of the hardest things in the world uh, to get him to uh, commit to anything. Right now, he's probably, I don't know what time it is in France, but he's there right now. Uh, he's on a little trip with his wife, a well-deserved trip. Um, so um, Mike asked me to step in. But I'm going to talk a little bit about Artie because when you talk about leadership, that's the guy that, to me, um, Somebody asked me tonight when we were down there at the reception said, how did you get into this business? Um, it's a real long story, um, but it's real simple. You uh, become fraternity brothers with a guy that buys the team. Uh, <laughs> but it was an interesting um, career path, um, and I've been very fortunate. A lot of times I get to speak to high school kids uh, at graduations, to some scholar uh, programs that we back, and I always tell them, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And I believe me, I've had the best journey of anyone, and I've ended up at a, um, still don't know where my destination is, and I hope it does, I never get to it, um, because I'm really, really enjoying the journey. Um, Artie was, um, Artie and I were fraternity brothers back in, um, many years ago, in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Um, <laughs> You know, people say, you know, it's great college life. I tell everybody, boy, it's the best eight years of my life, I tell you. <laughs> um, I, I, I was in a fraternity house, and Artie had just gotten back from Vietnam, and uh, um, he had gone to college and then was drafted, went to Vietnam, served, uh, which he's very proud of. And he came back, and he was going to finish his education. So we pledged him. He went through, <laughs> here's a guy that went through Vietnam, basic training, and then he goes through pledge ship and hell week. I mean, uh, that was amazing to me, um, but he was he was he was great, and we became very close friends. When we got out, when when I graduated, I uh, took a job back in New Jersey, where I was born, um, at a company called Western Electric. Um, Artie, the following year, graduated and took a job with a company called Eller Outdoor Advertising, and Carl Eller was a graduate too of the U of A. Um, and, we, and he called me and said, do you ever think about getting in the billboard business? I go, no, not really. Uh, he said, well, let's think about about it. I'd like to see if you're interested. And he'd only been there like six months, and there was an opening. And I always wanted to get into sales. I, I really uh, felt that that's where the money was. Uh, I felt the more I made, the more I sold, the more I'd make, and it was true. Um, but we both started together. And Artie was there, and he went from Phoenix to Tucson to become a manager, and then he went to Kansas City and ran our Kansas City operation. I went to New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, he went to New Jersey. I came back to LA. Uh, then Artie went on his own and started his own billboard company. Um, very small, took a risk, and that was Artie was good at taking risk, and he was good at at uh, knowing when to take a risk. Um, it's one thing I learned from him, and he was not afraid to take a risk. He put everything he owned into this company that he was going to form, and he just had that mindset that he could make it happen. He just had a mindset of I know what it takes to get it done. Um, after he did that, um, he. Um, 
called me up and I was in New York working for the Gannett Company in the outdoor side and, um, uh, with all the signs in New York and the subways and the bus shelters. And he came to me and said, I'd really like you to come work for me and be my national sales manager in New York. And I said, I would like to do that. I wanted to get back. I had done the corporate side. Um, and Gannett was, I, I'm very proud to work for that company. They were a great company and they taught me so much. And it was so nice to take that, what I'd learned, and then go on Artie's side on the entrepreneurial side and to build a business. That was fun. And I worked in New York for a while and then he bought uh, another company, Turner Outdoor, down in Atlanta and asked me to go down to uh, Atlanta, which I really enjoyed. Uh, great city, uh, met a lot of, made a lot of friends down there and still have them today. Um, he then went and bought the Gannett Company, uh, the company that we worked for. Um, <laughs> and that was a little strange. Um, and we went back to, uh, and then he transferred me to uh, Southern California. And we built a business up. And I'll never forget when we bought the Gannett Company, um, I went to him and I said, how does it feel? Because he had owned Canada, all of Mexico, and all of the United States. And it was the largest outdoor advertising or out-of-home media company uh, in North America. And I said, Artie, how does it feel to be the largest? And he goes, I don't care about being the largest. I want to I be the best. And his motto was service. And that's what he built his company on. And the other quality that Artie has and has had, and, and, and we see it every day here, is he's a visionary. Um, that was a, a real trait that I really never possessed. And I was of a day-to-day -day type person. And it was, I learned from him how to be a visionary. And he looks seven years down the road. And when that next year, he adds another year to the end. He right now wants to know what our team is going to look like in seven years. And he's got charts of, you know, who we have in the minor leagues. And he's on the phone with Jerry Depoto, our general manager. And who are we going to bring up? When are we going to bring him up? Um, he's got that competitive instinct. The most important thing with Artie right now is, uh, I was telling somebody, now we, we need some jewelry. And that's a, a World Series ring because there's John Carpino, who's president now, myself and Artie all came together here uh, when he bought the team. And um, he, uh, we're the only ones out walking around. Most of the people here were at 2002 when they got jewelry and they all wear it and they think they're funny. And they're, and, you know. But Artie had, had uh, left the billboard company and sold it to uh, CBS or Infinity at the time, Camel Carmazon Group. And um, took some time off for a while, but I knew he was looking at stuff, and I'll, I'll never forget, I, he called me. I was working in L.A., and I had the Western region. I was running the L.A. market, and he called me, and uh, Arizona was playing Kansas in a um, regional, NCAA regionals in the uh, March Madness. He said, I got some tickets. You want to come down? I said, yeah, I'd love to. So the traffic was so great that I made it by halftime, and uh, <laughs> I met him in the hallway there, you know, and the game's ready to go the second half, and he goes, whoa, 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 whoa don't, no, not yet, not yet. And he let everybody clear out, and he goes, uh, see that guy over there with the angel hat on? I go, yeah. I said, I really like that new red, and that really looks good. He says, I just bought the team. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just thinking, oh, boy, free tickets. Here we go. Um, <laughs> and I forget that. He bought it in May, and he called me in November after the season, and he was here meeting with um, uh, one of the agents, and he, he called me up. said, you want to come down for a beer? I said, I love one. Uh, I said, I am a little parched. And... Um, <laughs> sat me down and he said, uh, listen, I, I'd like you to become president of the Angels. And I said, okay. And he said, uh, well, I didn't tell you how much I was going to pay you. I said, I really don't care. Yeah. Um, Artie was, uh, I've worked for Artie for over 40 years uh, in the billboard business and now in the baseball business. And when you talk about leadership and you talk about management, I think they're two different things. Um, Artie's a leader. Um, 
And I always judge a leader by his followers and, um, and how they recruit people and his loyalty, his loyalty to myself and, and John Carpino and so many other uh, people in the organization that have been around so long. Um, it's one of his true qualities. Um, that's what makes him a great leader and, and a guy that you want to follow and a guy that you want to do things for. Um, he's been, he, um, I'll never forget, we were, I was in um, um, Scott, uh, Scottsdale, or I mean Phoenix at his house for Thanksgiving. Um, I don't have a family, uh, so uh, between him and Carpino, I think they flip a coin and go, no, you take him. No, you take him. You take him. But I've been very close to his family. I've seen his kids grow up. It's Uncle Dennis, and uh, it, we, we really have a great relationship. Um, sometimes strained when it comes to business and fun and, and the family, but when you're at his house, he's, he's just a, a true friend. But we were, um, we were playing golf, and we were coming back, and Jerry DePoto was just making a trade um, to get Chris Iannetta, the new catcher that we have. And we were going to trade two young arms, uh, two kids uh, that we were going to get for him. And he called Artie, and we were in the car, and he says, Artie, I want to make this trade. And what do you think? And Artie goes, I don't make that decision. That's why I hired you. You make that decision. And uh, I, that's really commendable when, when you say it. He talked it over. He says, Artie says, I do not like giving up two young pitchers. I'll tell you that right now, Jerry. But you're the expert. You're the guy that's going to, you're on the line for this. And you, if I make that decision, then I don't need you here. And um, it was a tough call. We did trade for Ionetta, and it turned out to be a very, very good trade. Um, one of the things already, when we get into conversations, um, it's, it, they can get heated sometimes. We'll, we'll be here for a game. We'll be in a suite, John and I, and we'll be going over numbers or everything. And the one thing you never say to Artie is, I think. Never say, I think. Because then he'll just turn to you and go, you don't know? You just think? I go, I, I think John said that. I didn't say that. <laughs> um, it's, it's a challenge to be with him. It's a challenge to, uh, to, for him. We're very fortunate we have one owner, and uh, there's not a lot of bureaucracy, which makes it great. I can pick up the phone at any time, day or night, give him a call and say, Artie, the air conditioners went out. I've got to buy new air conditioners at a half a million dollars. What do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, you know. And then the next day I write down, Artie said. And, and <laughs> but uh, he was always fair to us. He rewarded the performers, um, always rewarded performers. I was telling somebody when I was in the billboard business, uh, most of the salespeople made more money than I did, um, even more money than our sales manager. But we didn't care. We just, we, if you sold, you were rewarded, and you were rewarded good, and we expected you to sell. If you didn't sell, you didn't eat, and it was simple as that. Um, we used to, Artie would always say, and, and, I, and I had some really nice comments tonight about people saying, well, your place looks good, and well, you don't know <laughs> where I've got the duct tape holding the pipes up and everything else underneath. But Artie said, would come here and he'd say, listen, you're doing 99% of the things right but I'm here to correct that 1%. And John Carpino said to him, why do you spend 99% of your time on that 1%? <laughs> um, he believes in giving back to the community. Um, I've been very fortunate now to take over the chairmanship and allows me to get into the community. And we were very reactive to the community instead of being proactive. And um, like Linda said, I've, I'm on, a, on quite a few nonprofit organizations. And it, it's been a real education for me. And, and it's an opportunity. And ARD has given me that opportunity, and I appreciate it, the opportunity to reach out and, and touch some of the lives of the people in, in LA and Orange County. Um, on the business side, people always ask me, what's the difference between the billboard business and the baseball business? And the big difference is we made money in the billboard business. <laughs> But baseball is like any other business. You've got revenue and uh, you've got expenses. 
And uh, what I learned at Arizona, which we call the Harvard of the West, is um, <laughs> make sure that your revenue is more than your expenses. Uh, <laughs> very simple. Um, we used to always have a motto, sales cures all ills, and it does. Uh, it makes up for a lot of mistakes. When we got here, John and I, and already hired us to, uh, John took over his marketing, and um, I, was, I was president. One of the things that we looked at was um, they had just won the World Series, 2002, and in 2003, they were only broadcasting 53 baseball games on TV. And we were in shock. John's from Chicago, I'm from New Jersey. Every day there was a baseball game on in, one, in those cities, every day. They broadcast, the, the Yankees or the Mets were on every day. They broadcast every game. The Cubs, the White Sox, they were on every day. Here, they won the World Series and you're on 53 games. Um, People here looked at us and said, I said, we're going to put every game on. They go, well, if you do that, our attendance is going down. And I go, leave it to me. You give me three hours of an infomercial. I'll sell seats. I'll sell bobbleheads. I'll sell whatever it is, but I'll sell the players. But I could not understand. It was a mentality. It was a culture that we had to come here and change. And uh, Artie says, I don't care if you have to go and pay to put the game on pay to have it put on. And uh, it was really, we, we were on like five different channels, KDOC. Uh, some of them I can't even remember what we were on, but I, we believed that if people wanted to watch our game, they were going to find it. And we put it, you know, we would broadcast or we would do whatever we could to let people know if we were on channel. We, you know, we invested a lot of money in players like Vladimir Guerrero and uh, Escobar and, and Guillen and a lot of people. What good is it if we couldn't showcase them? We had to showcase them on TV. That was where we were going on that. Uh, the, the, the contract we had with Fox was very, very low, uh, very low. So that was the first thing we looked at about renegotiating that contract. Because you have, you have only certain amount of revenue sources in baseball. Tickets, which is number one, broadcast, sponsorship, concessions, merchandise, and parking. Those are the ones. So we attacked, always go where the big money is first, and it was tickets. But we had a little bit of issue with Artie. Not an issue with Artie, but his culture. One of the things that we wanted to do here was make sure that people could come to the ballpark. We wanted to make it affordable, we wanted to make it clean, and we wanted to make it safe. Those were the three things we were concentrating. Well, if you got tickets, that's your number one. It was very tough to raise those ticket prices right away. Um, so we had to evaluate each seat and what we were going to do, but we still had to make it affordable. I think we had the fourth lowest uh, price ticket, average ticket in all of major leagues. And Artie says, we're not raising our ticket prices. He was, he'll be famous for his whole life for lowering beer prices. Um, <laughs> I think they're gonna, we're going to put that on his tombstone. Um, but he, you know, I, I never forget that press conference. He turned to uh, that time, it, it was Kevin Ulick. He says, Kevin, can I lower beer prices? Kevin says, you can do whatever you want, Artie, you own the team. And he, uh, he says, well, let's lower it. You know, he says, because uh, he, had, he had been part owner of the uh, D-backs. And he, in there, he said, I never forget going in there and buying, you know, $55 for four beers or something. He says, we're not going to have that. We're going we're gonna to have people come here and enjoy themselves. Um, so then we went to con uh, concessions. Um, we hadn't raised our prices in concessions for uh, almost seven years. Um, parking, we were at $8. Uh, we finally raised it to 10 um, again, we still think it's an affordable, affordable to come to, to a ball game where uh, someone can come with their kids and enjoy themselves. Baseball is different than any other sport. Uh, you, you'll see more kids at a baseball game than you will at a football game or a basketball game or a hockey game. You don't see the kids at those games. Tickets are high. 
Uh, there's so much going on. Here we let the kids run wherever they want, you know, and they feel safe. We found out that um, the mother makes a decision about what the family is, is going to do. I know it's not a shock to some of you. Um, <laughs> but we, we did a little bit of study and research on that, some focus groups, and found out the mother makes a decision what the family's going to do. And we wanted to make sure that the mother wanted to come to some place where their kids were safe and it was clean. And, and uh, we, instead of taking ads out in some of the uh, Orange County Register, LA Times, we started hitting some of the local papers, which we found out a lot of the housewives and the mothers read a lot. And we would offer discounts to come here. We felt, get kids in here, get the fan experience, let them see what it's like to be here, you know, and be able to afford it. Uh, we got here, and, and, and again, we don't make a lot of money on our concessions. We make some, and we do fine, but that's not a big money maker. Merchandise is not a big money maker. Um, when Artie got here, he went in the team store, and he said um, there were the on-field hats, the actual hats the players wear. They had hundreds and thousands of them in the store, and they're $35 a piece. And Artie goes, you know, what does a father do when he comes here, and he's got two sons? How does he afford to buy his kids a hat, or each kid a hat? It's 70 bucks. So we went out and found a... Um, um, a manufacturer who would make the hats very, very cheap, and we're selling replica hats for $6. So they can go home with something. And uh, um, Artie, and that, that's what, what you talk about when you talk about a leader and a visionary. Uh, to see that and to see what he wanted to do is we went after the kids. We felt that they were going to be our future fans. Um, one of the things we found out is that... Um, and one of the things that is, is going back to Chicago and New York, wherever I went in the, when I was back there in Jersey, there was a game on. And when I go to, to a local pub here once in a blue moon, um, I'll go in there and the, and the game isn't on if we have an away game. And I always have to ask the bartenders, could you please turn on the game? Oh, the Angels are playing. That would never happen back east. And we've got to get to a point where that's the most important thing in the world is that baseball game that night. Um, and it's going to take a long time. The, the tradition that the Yankees have or the tradition that the Cardinals are one of the most traditional teams I've ever been around. Um, and we take things from, from what they do. I was at Yankee Stadium last night. You talk about pricing. I was at Yankee Stadium for their opening day, and I went down. They took care of us very nicely. They're a great organization. And they gave me seats behind the first base there in their Legends Club. And I got there, and um, the lady I was with, she said, I'll have a little Bloody Mary. It had to be about this big, and I'll have a Coors, I'll have a Coors uh, light beer and draft beer. And I pull out a 20. The guy goes, it's 25, please. Uh, they are not ashamed of their pricing. They are not ashamed of their pricing. But what you found out, and when I tried to, when we talked about it, because I had um, some of the uh, marketing people there with us to see what they do there, is those Yankee fans are so loyal, they don't care what the price is, they want to be part of a championship team, and they are. I mean, when you sit there and see 27 banners of world champions, uh, it's, it's very impressive. Uh, and people want to be with a winner, and that's what we're trying to do here, and that's Artie's vision, to be competitive, to get to the playoffs every year, and to get that jewelry that we want. And I told somebody that we're getting the wrapper rings, you know, world champions, 2012, hopefully. <laughs> Um, Artie came here and he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on three things. We're going to focus on red, we're going to focus on our A, and we're going to focus on angels. And I don't want you and John to go sideways with camouflage, and I don't want you to go this way with this color. It's red. Do you guys understand? Yes, Artie, we understand. The A, we came, what we do is we go through a lot of the merchandise and we bring him ideas we have. And one time we brought it and the A was tilted a little bit on the hat, you know, like the kids like and everything. No, 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 no. 
don't mess with that A. I want it straight up, you know? And I go, Artie, we're not selling to you. He goes, listen, we don't make that much money on, on merchandise, so we're gonna do it our way, and we're gonna do it the way that I believe we have to build this brand. Um, and and it, it's true. I mean, you take a look at the, the Yankee brand. It's the same everywhere you go. Uh, St. Louis Cardinal, it's the same everywhere. Um, I was, when I was giving my speech the other night, I was talking about the Dodger brand. And uh, one of the questions came up and asked me what I thought about the Dodger situation going on up there and the leadership up there. Um, I said, to me, it's the most amazing sale I've ever seen, $2.15 billion for a baseball team. I am still trying to figure out how that's gonna work. But here's a guy, Frank, and I know Frank pretty well, um, interesting person. He took a team, he took a team that he leveraged, he bought, didn't pay a cent for it, he leveraged it against some parking lot and he had in Boston with Fox. He took the brand, one of the best brands in sports is the Dodgers. Uh, you know, give the devil his due, it's a great brand. It's in a great market, it's got everything going for it. He took that brand and just, he couldn't make payroll a couple times. And um, no money, and I figured out the other day, he's gonna walk away with about a billion dollars in his pocket. I said, this guy needs to be the dean of finance at some university to pull this off. <laughs> I said the other night, he, he only had to pay Jamie $131 million. Uh, uh, that was part of her settlement. I went, that's not gonna last. How much do shoes cost now? I mean, just. <laughs> But uh, it, was, it, it was an interesting, uh, Major League Baseball is a, a very interesting company, um, franchise holder of, of all the teams and the ownership, where we feel we're very lucky to have an owner like Artie, who cares about the fan. Uh, he cares about his employees. Um, one of the things that um, we, we discovered, too, is about the fan experience, is our, our people here. When you're in management and you're, you're sitting sometimes in an ivory tower almost, and you think you know what's going on, think again because you don't. We were thinking we are touching our fans. We felt, as a management team, we're doing the right thing, but we weren't. The people that were touching our fans were our lowest paid, and no offense to that, but our lowest paid people, which was our ushers, our retired people, our ushers, our ticket takers, our ticket sellers, they were the people that were touching our fans more than we ever will, but we thought, well, you know, we're management. We, we know what we're doing. Well, we didn't. So we started the training. We, we did a, a lot of studying on it because we found out our ticket takers, when you came in and you gave our ticket taker the ticket, they would, they would look down. And they, yeah, there you go. And we taught them, look the person in the eye. Thank them for coming. And, and when they leave, say, hey, come again sometimes. I want people to smile. I want them to greet people. I want them to make, like, they're, they're so happy to be here, it's not funny. Um, I had one uh, gentleman that was at the gate on Douglas there, and I would go for lunch, and I'd come back, and he would sit in his chair and, like this. And I, I couldn't take it anymore. I stopped, and I, I, I brought him over, and I said, what's the problem? He goes, what do you mean? I said, you don't seem too happy to be here. Well, I am. I go, we just won 10 in a row, and you look like, you know, we, you lost your best friend. And he goes, uh, uh, I said, next time I come through here, I want to see you smile. I want to see you happy, wave, do something, you know, but be excited about being there. I said, I told him, I get excited when my laundry comes back. You know what I mean, look, get, you know, you, you, you want to build it. But 
Uh, and it's building that culture, and that's what we did here. We, we, we were very fortunate that people bought into our culture, and they bought into Artie's vision of what we want to be, and that's the fan experience. We want to be the best fan experience. We're very fortunate to be voted every year number one in fan experience in baseball, and number year, one year we voted best in sports ever um, of, of all the sports. And we're very proud of that, but it doesn't come easy. It's a lot of work. It's, um, I've always believed in uh, management, managing by walking around. In every game, I go to every home game, as, uh, most of them anyhow, unless something else comes up, but um, I walk around and I want to see where the how the lines are doing. I want to see if the place is clean. I, I, you you got to care about your business. You really, really do. I mean, the last thing I need is for Artie to be walking around and seeing something on the ground. He got me one day because he saw a cigarette butt in the parking lot. <laughs> I go, Artie, it's a parking lot, you know? But Artie was never for um, perfection, he was for excellence. And uh, he is a day-to-day -day guy. He, we talk to him, almost, he's on the phone with John and I almost every day about something. He reads that ticket report like it's, I don't know what, but he knows how many fans are coming in here and he, and he wants us to project how many are coming next week and what are we doing about getting people in here. He's been, um, um, I wish he was here. I, uh, he, would, he could really tell you a lot more than I can um, about his philosophy, because uh, sometimes I try not to know too much about his philosophy. <laughs> but um, he, he's been a, a, a real leader. Uh, and, and we talked about, uh, I was talking this, this evening at the reception about the difference between a leader and what makes a great leader. And, and I always, like I said before, it's about who follows that leader. Um, makes a good person. What makes it? Is it the DNA when they're growing up? Uh, some people are good leaders and not good managers. We always had a problem in our sales business of a guy was a great salesman, but boy was he a terrible manager. So we'd take him right out of that and send him back on the streets. Um, we're all, we always believed we were all salespeople. Um, we have a different sort of a organizational chart here. We're very horizontal and not down, top down. And what I mean by that is any one of us can go to anyone in the company, ask a question, uh, have a meeting or anything. There's no check with me or check with that. John Carpino and I trust each other. Uh, we've worked together for years in the billboard business and, and we're going on our ninth year together here. And when you have that trust and you, you really believe in somebody and they've got your back and you've got their back, um, it's, the working environment is so much better and you get so many more things done. Um, John's a great leader of, of his people. Um, I try to think that I can um, lead some of these people sometimes, but um, you know, somebody said to me, how do you motivate people? I said, easy, I get rid of the people that aren't motivated. <laughs> um, you have to continue the way, the, our philosophy is you have to continue to get that culture across. Uh, and it's communicating that culture. It's not just uh, shoving it down someone's throat. I remember uh, John and I, when we took over the outdoor company in, um, in Los Angeles, which was one of the largest uh, in the United States, we told our people, um, some of you will not be able to work for us. There's nothing against you. You just won't be able to what we call run with us. You won't be able to keep up the pace that we keep up. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you do stay with us, you will do, have a very good career and you will make a lot of money. But there's some people just couldn't adapt to what we believed in. We were very, very intense, very high motivated uh, sales um, culture. And we brought some of that down here too. Uh, we, I always tell people we're all salespeople. When you're out at a dinner party and, you're, and people find out you're from the angels, they're always asking you questions. You need to sell. You always be positive. Always be upbeat. Um, and it helps when you win, which we lost tonight, five to nothing. 
so I'm not very happy about that. I'll have to stop for a drink on the way home to get better. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 I am probably one of the most fortunate people in the world to be associated uh, with a baseball team. I never dreamt that I would be. Um, people always ask me about my uh, baseball background. I said, well, I played Little League. Uh, <laughs> up until a couple of months ago, I was still playing uh, uh, some senior league baseball. And um, you know, the 30-year-olds were starting to get to me a little bit. Um, but it's been a very, um, I, the things that I've learned um, about the organization, about baseball, um, it's just been a great experience. And, and uh, it was, like I said, the, the journey um, outweighs the destination because I don't know if the, what the destination is. And like I said, I hope I don't get to that destination. I want to enjoy the journey more and more. So, Linda, we're going to have a few questions and moths. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, then we'll have some question and answers. And like I said, make them true or false, multiple choice. That would always help me out. <laughs> Thank you very much.